welcome to Animusings. In this case, we have a special section that we would like to call Animusings Plus. <laughs> I like that, Animusings Plus. It's Animusings Plus. Uh, this is actually a bonus episode we're putting out there, and we will do a couple of these every so often to talk about some films that aren't necessarily part of the Walt Disney feature animated, Walt Disney Studio Animation Studios canon. Like, in terms of, like, proper theatrical feature animation releases, but... But, uh, they are theatrical, and they do have, um, an important connection to the Walt Disney Animated Features, and I feel they should be discussed. Definitely. Um, this one, uh, that we wish to talk about is The Reluctant Dragon. Um, this film came out in, on June 20th, 1941, right before Dumbo, which we will discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to be doing Dumbo a little later this month, so we figured before we do that, this might be a good one to talk about. And I actually didn't realize how much of a connection we were going to have with Dumbo until we started watching this. Oh, yeah. Um, the Now, uh, we're not going to do the typical format. Um, it won't be like we're going to go through the whole movie step by step by step. Yeah. This one, we're just going to give a brief summary and then... Uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of talk about the film, real blase, this this one in particular, because, um, I mean, again, we want to keep this on the shorter side, but also because... Um, there, there's probably going to be films we will go in depth with um, uh, for, for uh, Animusings Plus. Uh, this one's going to be a little shorter, though, because there's admittedly... I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but at the same time, there's not like it's not like we have to go in depth about story or characters or anything like that. This no. is this is not a story driven piece. This is sort of a. Well, I mean, how would you sum up the movie? Well, first off, um, I should um, mention this is the first um, Disney feature to have both animation and live action in one film. Not at the same time, of course. Not at the same time. There's a, the the animated uh, characters never enter the real world or anything they're still it's still separate the Um, closest we have to that is when um mickey met uh leopold at during yeah fantasia i think that's the closest but this it's not it wasn't as much of a or um big deal as this one right um but anyway this one um this one is like a more interesting take uh it's about um uh a man and his wife um the man is uh played by and actually is he's playing himself uh Robert Benchley who is a who is a humorist for Vanity Fair and uh the New Yorker uh many people might remember him from Alfred Hitchcock's uh the foreign correspondent mm-hmm. uh which was made a year before this film or came out a year before this film okay um uh he, his wife uh says you know we sh- is reading this book called The Reluctant Dragon and she says, hey, I think this should be made into a film. So she and um, Benchley, he's called Benchley throughout the whole film, uh, drive over to Walt Disney Animation Studios. Just on a whim. They just yeah. decide they're going to go to Walt Disney Animation Studios. Just so they can um, pitch to Walt Disney, hey, this should be made into a cartoon. Uh, which, uh, the, this is the interesting, or not the interesting part, but one of the funny parts is, his wife has, is, like, pushing him to say, yeah, we need to pitch this. We need to pitch this. Okay, have fun. What, what you're not going to commit with me? We'll give you that idea. And she's, we're like, but it's her idea. Okay. Yeah, she, she pushes him to do it, maybe because he's basically playing himself. And he's like, well, maybe you'd have more clout to get into the Disney studio. Because you're a man. <laughs> well, I mean, as, as the movie has established, there's a lot of women working at the studio, too. That is true. Um, <laughs> 
and doing pretty uh, well, good work. Well, for before that we continue into that, basically, uh, it's Benchley's um, travels through uh, each part of the Walt Disney Animation Studios, um, looking through different departments from like the sound effects department, the voiceover department. Uh, the animation department. There's actually a department called the Rainbow Room where they actually make uh, their own uh, paint using like uh, different chemicals and uh, materials and such mm-hmm. uh, to get that right color. It, it's just what I think. If you're an animation nerd, this is this was very cool. This is the film for you. Yeah, the- you get to see. So this is this uh, this film was actually made just after the Burbank studio had opened. Like, it hadn't been opened that long, so it's kind of showcasing what the studio is capable of, and it also goes behind the scenes about what the process is to make animation, especially Disney animation back in the 1940s. And uh, the process is, is it's really fantastic to see. I think the best part about the movie is actually just getting to see behind the scenes at the Walt Disney Studio. Mm-hmm. So... And then there's some parts where you actually watch... Uh, animated films or animated shorts play along as someone's doing uh, like adding their uh, part to it um, like for example one of the scenes Dave and I agree that we really liked was the uh, Foley scene yeah um, there's a I kept thinking to myself so so one of the things that they they did in this movie is uh, you see them kind of sort of giving hints about what's coming up next for the Disney Studios and you see them working on Dumbo. Uh, but they do a Casey Jr. short, and they do it in this Foley room where they have all the stuff and all the complicated sound effects. All, you see the whole process of them doing their own Foley for the th- for the uh, the short. And as as the animated short plays, you can actually see different the different things they use for each sound. Like um, uh, uh, I I I think this was David's favorite. Um, uh, so there is the voice that goes that says "All aboard." But it sounds, All aboard! Let go. It sounds very electronic-y. Apparently, there they had a machine that you can just put up to your vocal cords, and then the person talks. It had it was it was actually some sort of proper like train whistle or train horn or something like that. Like they actually somehow they got it to. It's like a it's almost like a vocoder. Mm-hmm. It's like a maybe it is a vocoder. It might be like an early kind. I don't know. It was interesting, but the woman who's who's doing the voices is show, is demonstrating to Robert how to do it. To ben- eventually, eventually, get out of here. Eventually, get out of here. Eventually, <laughs> that's really. Oh, I, we should should we? I mean, should we mention how he's also being followed through the studio by essentially a member of Disney Youth? Yeah. Oh God. Damn. I mean, the guy looks. The guy is is really prim proper. Has like this really tight like uniform on with a tie and he's got a mickey patch on his shoulder I, and i just oh i can't help but look at him and think at some point he'd walk around Kyle <laughs> disney Kyle disney it was just it was he's very stiff and it's it's funny to me well the basic the reason why uh benchley is seeing all this is uh, he has an appointment with walt disney but uh um this one uh was it, what was his name like humphrey or humphrey something? humphrey it has to give him a tour of the studios, but instead of, like, the general tour, he's saying stuff like, Here's our air conditioning unit. We have these gas-powered generators that produce... And he's just, like... And Benchley's just so bored. So he runs... So basically, Benchley runs away and is, like, sneaking into different rooms. And mm-hmm. then in every room, he sees 
what's going on. It's a, it's an interesting little framing device. Yeah. I mean, obviously the best parts are the ones where you get to see uh, the animation or like um, the animation play with the uh, um, with the live action parts. And uh, like there's a point where they actually show the cells and how they uh, paint each cell or they move a cell on there. And there's a point where Donald is trying to explain how (laughs) in his own voice, how each like he's. I, the reason why he's able to make steps is because it's frame by frame by frame. Right. And it's interesting because you, you see how they kind of present it simply. And then you watch the animation go like, there are so many frames of animation in this to make oh, Donald yeah. move as fluidly as he does. So that's pretty neat. Um. Oh, uh, I w- this was an, another cool thing, too. Um, It begins in black and white. Oh, that's right. And yeah. then... So, uh, the whole thing begins in black and white, and then uh, there's one point where Benchley enters the room where, uh, everything is suddenly in technicolor, and it's the room where that, uh, oh, uh, the, the machine, the... The multi-pane camera. Yeah, and then everything's all lit up with bright colors, and then he's suddenly bright, and he's like, oh, technicolor. <laughs> and then the rest of it is in color from there on. It's a very Wizard of Oz kind of moment. Yeah. Because everything's suddenly very vibrant. You see the same woman from the, uh, who was doing the Casey Jr. voice is in there ma- monitoring things, but you almost don't recognize her because now you see all the color in her. It's mm-hmm. interesting. It's fascinating how many women are actually, you're right, like they actually brought them in to work on different things. Like even in the, what they call the Rainbow Room, where they're making chemicals to create the color, it's all women making these chemicals in mm-hmm. lab coats. Like, There's a woman with like a really hardcore looking gas mask to make sure that you don't breathe in the fumes. And uh, that's a neat scene because it's, you get to see the process and the music that's playing in the background is uh, the dwarves mining song yes. from Snow White, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they actually show uh, Bambi has not come out yet and they actually use Bambi as a um, uh, like they show um a cell of Bambi being painted. It's beautiful. It's like you actually see, they mentioned Bambi, but they don't say what it's for. And I wonder if people at the time are like, I wonder if this is the next project that they're, they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to skip over the sound room though. Cause every, every room has its own pluses. I think the first place he goes is like the sketch. He goes to, Oh, the art class. It's the art class. Cause uh, there's, he, <laughs> this is a little, that part is a little like, mm, cause uh, he sees a woman wearing a robe and she's gorgeous, and he's like, oh, oh my. So he falls into the art class thinking that they're painting her nude, and then goes in and it turns out the model is an el- <laughs> this huge elephant. With a clown hat on. <laughs> I think they're because they're trying to draw elephants for Dumbo. Yeah. And um, that part's kind of neat. You and see, it- and one of the students, they point out, I think the guy who's teaching the class calls him Anderson, and for a second I was like, Ken Anderson? It could be. That would be interesting. I mean, you actually do see uh, Walt Kimball uh, drawing Goofy. That's right. Later on, you see Ward Kimball drawing Goofy. Or Ward Kimball. I'm so sorry. That's all good. Um, It's really cool, actually, because he he does, like, flipbook animation for for Goofy. And then there are a couple of animated shorts. Like I said, there's the uh, Casey Jr. one. And then um, Ward Kimball shows him uh, a Goofy short where uh, the how-tos and Goofy's... Shown riding a horse. That's a good... I love those how-to cartoons. I know. I'm like, oh. Those are some of my favorites. They're pretty funny. I I'm, was glad to see one of them in here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, um, he does go, eventually does go through the maquette workshop at one point, oh and that one's gosh. really neat. Because mm-hmm. he sees, like, you see a model of Chernabog, you see, I, I assume, I was looking at the figures, like, I wanted to pause it, look at the figures more, but you'll see a lot of stuff from previous films, you see Fantasia, Pinocchio. But you do see a maquette of what looks like to be Captain Hook. I think it might be a prototype Captain Hook. Yeah, right before when... I think they were considering Peter Pan before it came out. Well, they probably were planning a lot of this like years in advance. So they had Peter Pan on the table while they were still working on, uh, you know, here they're working on Bambi and you can tell that at the time this was filmed, they're doing, uh, Bambi and Dumbo simultaneously, Mm -hmm. which is a good idea. Get a couple films at the same time. Yeah. And then of course they, there's like a, uh, there's stuff at Benchley's, um, um, expense like they make a maquette of him and he's given this like cartoonist look of his nose being huge Uh i love the um i actually really i like the bit how one of the zebras from fantasia one of the zebra centaurs is there (laughs) and and he he totally jacks it and puts it in his coat like he's and of of course i so like in so of course in the um in the film of uh, Fantasia, they're, I mean, uh, they're, like, wearing bras and stuff like that. Right. But this one, nipples are showing, and I'm like, with, her boobs are prominently there. <laughs> it's not, like, super obvious or anything, but there's points. Yep. There's points to those those breasts. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, like I said, when we were talking to uh, Abysme about Fantasia, the those are my favorite centaurs, because they're yep. so cool. Yeah, exactly. Zebra Zebra centaurs are rad. Um, oh, and the, and then he, there's a clock next to that one, and it's oh the- Oh my gosh, yes! It's, it's the- The drunk clock! It's the drunk cuckoo clock from, but it's a, a working drunk cuckoo clock. Like, it's an actual real one, I'm like, that's amazing. They got- actually made it. Yep. It's so cool. Um, and then, uh, I mean- Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the shorts in a bit, because that's what everybody wants to talk about. I, I want to just or- briefly touch on some of the stuff that's really memorable. Uh, at one point, he goes into where they're recording the music. This is earlier in the film. We're kind of doing this all out of sequence, just as we're kind of as we're coming to things. Oh, are you thinking of the voiceover part? The voiceover part. Oh yeah, where he so, meets uh, there- Florence um, Gill. Florence Gill, and uh, uh, you'll see Clarence Nash, the um, uh, the voice of Donald Duck, and Florence Gill. Uh, but the humorous part of it is they're playing this beautifully operatic music in the background, and Benchley's, like, watching, like, oh, this is lovely. And then all of a sudden, you see Florence Gill go up, and then she starts balking. <laughs> and then the guy who's been sitting next to um, Benchley this whole time, is he's, like, got a breathalyzer, and he finally gets up, and it's it's... Donald. It's Clarence, and he does the voice of Donald, and he starts singing along with her, and it's it's a really fun scene to watch. <laughs> and they're like singing, <laughs> and they're singing in the in the well, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Florence Gill. If anyone wondering why she's balking, she was uh, Clara Cluck. She's Clara a, Cluck, yes. Yeah. She says so she's Clara Cluck, the hen, uh, not one of those forgotten Disney characters. Uh, not quite as well. You know, it's like people say that Horace and Horace Horse Collar and Clarabelle Cow are forgotten, but does anybody really remember Clara Cluck? I it took I, me a sec, but I did. No, I, I, I as soon as she started it, uh, clucking, I knew exactly who it was. So I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, you and I would, but like the popular, like in the popular like consciousness, 
Mm-hmm. You're a lot not enough. Not a lot of people remember Clara Cluck. Well, the, the shorts were popular at this time. They were, so they would they would know. Um, context. Uh, I think the, the one uh, department, surprisingly for us, that I, I think was the weakest. It's not bad. Just the weakest is the storyboard part. Yeah, um, we get like a pseudo. Okay, so that's one of the first shorts that we get to see. No, no, isn't no. it? No, it's near the end, hun. Oh no, because Casey Junior was the first one. That Casey Junior short. Uh, yes, because where it's Casey, showing all the folly. Because it's Casey Junior, and then I think this is. There's not really a short up until this part. Uh, Baby Weems is the short, and it's them presenting it as a storyboard for a picture they want to do, and um, most of it is told in static images with pseudo animation. Yeah, it's uh, it's like how you would do a story storyboarding for an animated film. Uh huh. And uh, the story's cute. It's 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 fine. It's about a baby. It's about a baby that um can talk uh and is a genius at two years old and all these. The whole world has its attention on it. And his, like, from the moment he's born, he's, he speaks succinctly. And uh, the parents are barely ever get a chance to see him because he, he's immediately whisked away by, like, all these people who want to talk to him. And uh, the rest of the short is basically him just being out as celebrity while his parents are like, can we see him? Like, And they're, like, common people. They're like, sorry, you didn't get tickets. Or, sorry, this is for press only or something like that, you know? it's mm-hmm. It's a weird... It's interesting. It's fine. He get he gets a fever and he and he goes to the hospital and then when the fever clears, suddenly he's a normal baby again. Yeah. So he loses his celebrity status. But he gets to be with his parents and they live a happy life. Yeah. With their son. And again, it's presented as a series of storyboards with uh, that. Then, as time goes on, get slightly more animated, but never to the point where it's like full animation, really. Yeah. I I mean I like seeing it in the storyboard format that uh, I. I liked that it got to show that, but at the same time, I don't. I don't think the story was that strong. No, not really. Um, Baby Weems is fairly forgettable. It has its moments that are kind of fun. Yeah, it has a really. It has a couple of really uh, racist caricature moments that are. Oh my gosh! Yes, like it's like it reached around the globe, and then they show a clip of um, uh, like. African tribesmen doing drums at each other. Yeah. There's one part where several people are are making announcements about it. And there's a really, there's a caricature of like a, like a Chinese guy on the radio. And then the worst one is at the end. It's another, it's another tribesman looking guy. And he's got these big old, big old like duck lips. And he's going, and they're just flapping. That's the only animation there. And I'm like, wow. Wow. 1940. Oh boy! It's so okay. I mean, we're gonna have to deal with this. In our- no, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. It, it was a different time. Yeah. Um. I know, Gracie. I know. <laughs> uh, you can't speak about this. You're a little white dog. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. Um. But so then we get onto the actual short itself. The one this was a, which is the reluctant dragon short. That's true. Um, what did I know? We've seen it. We both seen it before. But what did you think of uh, How to Ride a Horse, the Goofy Short? Oh, he, um, I, I mean, it's a, it's a Goofy cartoon. I thought it was funny. Um, just like, I, I, 
I think it's not the funniest out of the how-tos, but it's like, it's still, I mean, I still laughed at it. I still had fun with it. it There's moments that that it's like, it's relatable, especially with us having a dog uh, where it's like, going back to the stable. Stable? Runs. <laughs> the, uh, I, those are my favorite Disney shorts. The how-to how goofy cartoons. Saved. They're just, Goofy is such a, like. he's my favorite. Goofy is such a likable character and it's just fun to see. Um... But yeah, we the reluctant dragon. So uh, eventually, eventually makes into a screening room where he meets Walt Disney. Yeah, Walt Disney is in this film. It's a young Walt Disney too. He's like, um, he he's so he's he's so he's like very uh, handsome. He's very handsome. Yeah, though. very handsome. Know, actually, Walt Disney. He would be he would have been forty two at that point. Forty two, eh? No, forty. Forty. I'm sorry. He was born in nineteen oh one. Oh, right. So, so he would have been forty at that time looks good yeah looks good for 40 um <laughs> so uh they're in the screaming room and um benjamin's about to show him uh it's like well i have an idea for this book he's like oh the, it, we're actually about to see a short that we just made it's starting and it turns out it's the <laughs> reluctant dragon there was no point of him going there someone had already <laughs> given him the idea or someone he already already had the idea himself so um the reluctant dragon is a it, like i said it's a 20 minute short mm-hmm. where um, it's about a, uh, a village that um, learns there's a dragon living nearby them and they're like we need we must take him down and this child's like wait I'll go talk with him uh, the village doesn't care but his, his father runs through earlier and goes a dragon a dragon I swear I saw a dragon <laughs> <laughs> that 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 movie will get addressed. <laughs> like, oh, we're gonna have to address Pete's dragon eventually. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so uh, this child goes over, and it turns out this dragon is very. Um, he's very. Uh, oh well, he's very um, flamboyant. Uh, very. I like poetry and having picnics and oh dear. Uh, I, that's... Effeminate. It's a very effeminate dragon. He's a very effeminate dragon. Doesn't like fighting or anything like that. Um... <laughs> writes terrible poetry. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this child says, well, there, there's, um, people coming to fight you. They're gonna take you down. And he's like, oh, I don't ever fight. Uh, and he's like, oh, well, okay. Uh, so he goes to the village and sees that there is a, um... A dragon killer. Sir Giles. Sir- the noble knight Sir Giles has wandered into town and everyone's super stoked to meet him. So the child is like, oh gosh, I gotta talk to him and say that this dragon doesn't want to fight. So he goes, sees him, and uh, I like the fact that Sir Giles looks like Don Quixote. Yeah, he oh he he totally does. Um, he's got a monocle and like a big white mustache, and he oh, and he's very droll. He talks <laughs> like this, yeah, quiet. And he's a poet as well. He's, he's also, also a, poet. a poet. And I swear, you know what's funny is when when our male when our when our protagonist who's never given a name, this boy, uh, when he meets the reluctant dragon for the first time, the dragon is taking a bath. Like in a waterfall. When he meets Sir Giles for the first time, Sir Giles is also, also taking, taking a, a bath. bath. So um they're like drawing parallels already between these two. And then uh, eventually the the reluctant dragon and um Sir Giles meet up and he's having a picnic with him and there's like I love poetry. Oh I love poetry. They they say 
um, bad uh, poetry to each other. One of them about upside down cake. The uh, dragon does an upside down cake poem, and uh, Sir Giles does a radish poem. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure if it's worse than <laughs> it's hard. Vul- it's than hard vul- to t- than Vulgar. Uh, uh, oh, what's the name of those aliens? Oh, Vogan poetry. Uh, well, it didn't it didn't make us want to die? That's true. It's not Vogan poetry. It's not that bad. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, the child's getting annoyed. He's like, no, you guys have to fight. Come on. <laughs> Why do we have to fight? Because it says so in the book. And he's had this book this whole time. That kid. I, I swear, I was listening to his voice. I'm like, he talks almost just like Pinocchio did. It's not the same actor, though. No. Not the same voice actor. Uh, and then uh, later on, they, they just said, wait, I know what we'll do. So they fake a fight. Um, I gotta admit, some of the parts of the fight scene are funny. Like, they, they're taking bets on who will win the dragon <laughs> of the night. That's right. And then, like, during the fight, they run, like, uh, they run into the cave, and they're drinking tea while saying, Oh, God, no! Oh! Ow, ooh, ah! Ooh! Ouch! And they're just, like, they, they've agreed that they're gonna play this whole thing out, but need, they were, I kind of like that the dragon and Sir Giles, like, kind of respect each other. Yeah. And so they just decide to put on this whole thing. <laughs> no, the funny part is, like, I usually like this part. There's a cl- they create a dust cloud to make it sound like they're fighting. And then all of a sudden, they're ballroom dancing in this dust cloud. And saying, oh, God, no! <laughs> Ouch! And they're just like, yeah, they're, they're so, they're, they're fun. Yeah. They're, it's a, this is a fun short. Like, I'm it glad is. I could see why the, um, why this has become, why this is, why the, you know, the whole thing was named after it. But I just thought of another weird parallel. What? Is it in a weird way? Is it Robert Benchley kind of a reluctant dragon? Because uh, he doesn't want to go see Mr. Disney. He's reluctant to go do all this. He just wants to wander around the studio. Yeah. He's reluctant, he's reluctant the whole way through. He just wanted to stay at home in his little floaty, uh, pool thing and shoot, uh, shoot, uh, uh suction cup darts at d- uh, ducks floating in the water. That was a wooden great, ducks. That was a great way to introduce it. He's in his pool on like this floaty thing, shooting Darts at a uh, suction darts at a at at ducks. <laughs> he's like an adult. It's pretty great. And it's because it starts with uh, you hear splashing in the pool, and uh, Mrs. Benchley is reading, and she's like, "Bobby, stop that!" And it, the camera pans <laughs> over, and it's adult man. It's an adult man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. I, I I grew to like Benchley as the movie went on as our main character, even if yeah. I was like really confused by why he wouldn't want. He really just wanted to explore the studio. He didn't want to go sell I his wife's idea to it, Walt Disney I, that much. I think the idea was that he had to go on a tour first. Like there, well, the, he he was being taken directly to Walt's well, office. Yeah, but there he's giving being given a tour the whole time, and he's like, "Oh God, I have to go through this boring thing about air conditioners." Oh, and the so the the composition of the soil under the uh, Burbank studio. Yeah, so he's probably like, "I'm getting out of here." Yeah, and then also, I don't think he cares too much about like pitching this. He's just doing it because his wife asked him to. But it ended up being an adventure for him and for us in turn because we got to watch him go through all these different parts of the animation process at yeah. the Disney Studio. I, this movie's charming. It's definitely, I, I would say, um, no, uh, this didn't, this wasn't a popular film when mm-hmm. it came out because, uh, a lot of critics and fans were like, wait, we were expecting a, a full featured, uh, animated film like, uh, Snow White and Pinocchio. What's this? What's this nonsense? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then not only that, um, there was actually a, um, 
a strike? Uh, not only that, there was a strike going on um, mm. for the animators were striking against Walt Disney animated, uh, Animation Studios for um, like low pay, and then they felt they were being treated unpoorly. Uh, and this was during, going on when the movie was released, so they were actually picketing it. And you mentioned to me something about this to me before too. Didn't they, weren't there accusations of like favoritism in the studio? Yeah. Okay. So, um, how did that get resolved? Do you know how that got resolved? I don't know. We can talk. You know what? We can, we can bring it up when we discuss Dumbo. We'll talk about that because Dumbo wouldn't come out for another few months yet. Yeah. Like I think it's October. In October of forty one is when we get Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, things resolve well at the end of the Reluctant Dragon, the short. Uh, they, the, the dragon is having been placated by Sir Giles and goes and lives with the community and swears that he won't attack people anymore. And so because I guess they needed that, he felt like he needed that smoke screen, literally, <laughs> to, um, sort of live with people. So the dragon gets a happy ending and he gets to live with all these people and not feel isolated and, not that he felt isolated before. He seemed perfectly content living off in the in the in that cave. Yeah, all he did was just be, he's like eating his food, writing poetry, <laughs> taking baths, he's eating just, jelly sandwiches, jam sandwiches, jam sandwiches. Oh yes, a jam sandwich. Uh, <laughs> again, this movie is very charming. Um, I think it's. I think the people that will enjoy it are the ones who love animation. Like this is this is definitely aimed toward certain people yeah we i really the best parts of the movie i think weren't even necessarily the animated shorts but watching the actual animation process seeing how they how they did it seeing things in it presented um i love the whole rainbow room scene where, that was really cool um the amount of effort that went into making the foley in the movie was very cool uh, what with, I mean, there was even a part where they're doing a storm scene and two guys are like making the thunder. They're wearing Frankenstein masks. I know, that was fantastic. Like, <laughs> they looked like Frankenstein masks to me. It was hard to tell, but I swear there was Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. Um, and, and the nice thing too is at the end, uh, Benchley manages to perfect his Donald Duck voice oh, yeah, just enough to yell at his wife about like how much of a neck she is. Well, cause, uh, um, Nash was teaching him how to use the, uh, uh, apparently you're supposed to create an air pocket, um, to do the Donald Duck voice. <laughs> I am not a voice actor. I cannot do that. Well, that's the best I can do. I can't actually channel the, the voice like my, <laughs> I can't do it. See, um, <laughs> that I, I, I swear, like, um, he, the people who can do Donald voices have gifts. The yeah. Current Donald, past Donald. Clarence was a genius, man. That was really good. Cool. Donald got a lot of, you know what's nice? Donald got a lot of love in this, he did. in this movie. He did. Like, he pops up again, uh, to talk about, uh, how, uh, sales matchups to show how he does a walking cycle. Right. We, we, yeah, and that was, that was fun. Um, and, and then his voice is just, uh, like a running gag throughout the rest of the, throughout the rest of, through the film. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's essentially the reluctant dragon. And, uh, yeah, like, like Kayla said, I recommend it. If you're, you're like us, you're a fan of animation and you're a fan of history because you get to actually see the early days of the Walt Disney studio in Burbank. You've actually been to that studio, haven't you? I actually have. I, I've taken a tour of it. Um, 
I so uh, I've worked for Disney twice. Um, one was when I worked for um, Disney World, and then afterwards I actually worked for what used to be ABC Family, but is now Freeform. And uh, anyone who ever works for like uh, any Disney subsidiary gets a tour of the Walt Disney Studios. It looks much different mm-hmm. than it does now. Okay. Uh, I would. I almost didn't recognize it, um, but it. I could see some things that were like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, um, and. Uh, it is really cool. I'm not gonna lie. As as someone who loves animation and who loves uh, like looking at seeing Disney history, I mean, hence why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> it, it was it was quite amazing. I definitely agree with you there. We were it was funny. We were both reacting nerd nerd wise, oh, and yeah. and it was taking everything we could to not just talk about the movie immediately after. I had to like hold my thoughts yeah. so I could set up so we could do this recording. So uh, yeah, if you get a chance, give it a watch. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a must watch for everybody, but it's definitely a watch for people. I wouldn't have watched this if we weren't doing this podcast. I'll no, be honest, no, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have, have crossed my mind. I didn't even know it was about like uh, the animated studios. I thought it was like kind of a series of shorts i i that's all i knew about it and then one of them was the reluctant dragon i mm-hmm. didn't i didn't realize you actually got to see the like how the process of animation during that time well now we know and uh knowing it's half the battle so thank you for joining us for this bonus episode and join us later this month when we talk about dumbo and uh thanks it- again and <laughs> if you want to uh, follow us on any other forms of, if you want to contact us in any any way, you can do it through our um, our Twitter if you like. We are at Animusing at Animusings Pod. Um, you can also uh, find us on Facebook as well at Animusings Pod too, uh, or at Animusings Pod. There's no two with it. Um, <laughs> It's the second pod. And then we also, uh, you can email us at uh, animusingspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, anything you, uh, we are totally open to uh, discussion questions if you want to send them to us. And we can keep them in mind if we if we get them soon enough before we actually talk about a film. And we can, uh, you know, if, if anyone wants to drop us a line, we'd be happy to, we'd be happy to hear it. Thanks again, and thanks for listening. Until next time. Keep on trucking, Casey Jr. Wait. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.